Over the past couple of months, I've had several close friends get married. In fact, a couple of them are in the room right now. Aaron, who was just in right here. Aaron and his wife, Kara, were married uh, back in December. Chris and Carly Campbell were recently married. Yeah, let's, let's, let's clap for that. Why not? I felt, like, I felt like some people wanted to clap, so let's do that. Uh, and, uh, you know, I love watching, uh, oh, there it goes. I love watching uh, uh, as, as newlywed couples kind of get settled into marriage. There, there's a phase that we call that, you know what it's called, the, the honeymoon phase, right? It's awesome. The honeymoon phase is cool. There's a lot of more forgiveness. There's a lot more grace. Uh, there's maybe less fighting. There's more, uh, there's more free time. And then, uh, and then, like, when you're newlywed, it's cool to see that. And I don't want to take that away from you guys or anybody else. That's, that's an awesome period of time. But they realize, and so do those of you who've been married for longer than just a few months or even a couple years, that kind of changes, doesn't it? Like the honeymoon phase kind of shifts. Uh, my wife and I are going on 13 years of marriage this, this coming uh, May, and, and that's like plenty of time to start getting things figured out. But then some of you guys have been married twice as long as us, and you're like, kids, you know? <laughs> and uh, so, you know, it takes some time. And here's the thing, that there's this transition that happens between when you first start dating someone, and you first meet them, and you're just friends, and when you are married. In fact, there's a much bigger transition even from when you're single to when you're married. Um, when you're single, it's all about you, right? Like you get to do whatever you want to. You get to do your schedule, your time, your job, your money. Somebody, whoop, whoop, back there. Hey, keep it going, man. Whatever you got to do back there. And, you know, that's great. It's your thing. Uh, when you start dating or you get serious with it, even in a friendship even, but, but especially in like a dating relationship that's maybe headed towards marriage, you start to share what I would just call some, right? It's some time. Maybe some activities, some holidays, some events, some money, some meals, right? And, and some, some relationships are deeper than those, but you get it. It's kind of a transition. But then you get married, and all of those stuff's out the window. All that me stuff, man, me, I, mine, it just becomes we, us, ours, right? Like our house, our calendar, our schedule, our friends, our budget, our meal plan, our grocery shopping, right? The whole thing transforms from having time with someone sharing a life with them. You see the transition there? I want to kind of give us those two pieces here. You've got time with someone, and then you've got sharing a life with someone. It actually reminds me of a funny commercial that's been on TV a lot lately. Uh, I didn't have to show this, but I just laugh out loud every time I see it. Uh, maybe you see it's an AT&T commercial. There's this, uh, they're, they're getting some information about data for video chatting. Check out this commercial. Right now you can get 15 gigs for 100 bucks, uh, plus $15 per line. That is perfect because we are about to start the whole long distance thing. Yeah, and lots of data will mean lots of video chatting. Mm -hmm. How much is that? 15 gigs, that's over 40 hours of video chatting. Wow. Whoa. 40 hours, that's a lot of communication. Yeah. Yay, love! <laughs> <laughs> Yay, love! And sometimes... Uh, <laughs> That transition from some time to all the time kind of goes, oh, wait, just a minute. And, and that's why a lot of us stay single for a long time, right? And that's totally cool. That's your prerogative. That's fine. Now, believe it or not, we're not talking about marriage this morning. You might have been like, oh, man, I came on Marriage Talk Sunday again. Why did I do that? Um, we'll do that another day. This isn't actually a talk about marriage at all. But I, I tell those stories and kind of set up that difference between time and life together to get us started in a conversation about prayer, we've been in this series uh, called What Happens When We Pray, and we've talked a lot about prayer. We talked about how to pray, and when to pray, and why to pray, and, and what to say, and things like that. Um, and it's really important for us to get better, and for us to have better prayer time. But there are some times in the Bible that we see some teaching on prayer that's not so much about time with God and time with prayer, 
but where the relationship is taken to a whole new level. You, you hear verses like this, pray without ceasing. Wow, how do I do that? That's more than just a couple minutes in the morning before I, I go into work, right? Like Chris said, Chris said, sit in my car in the parking lot before I go into work and pray, and then I'll be good for, uh, for, for prayer for the day. But then it says stuff like pray without ceasing. There's another passage that says, uh, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and submission, requ- submit your request to God. Everything? Like everything? Like I stand at McDonald's, like I'm going to get the McDouble. And, wait, sorry, I've got to pray about this. Uh, Lord, what do I need to get from McDonald's? Like with everything? Should we really talk to God about everything? This isn't about prayer time. This is a transition about something deeper, something more meaningful, a lifestyle, a prayer life. And sometimes that can be a little overwhelming. Yay, love. <laughs> right? How, how do I do that? What does that even mean? Now, I need to kind of step aside and say this. I don't know where you are with prayer personally. I don't know where you are personally with Christianity. I know that we want to be a church that is very accessible to anybody at any level of their faith. Ultimately, we are Christians. We want to talk uh, about Jesus and lead our lives towards Jesus and study from the Bible. But you might be in a place where you just came for the first time today or you've only been coming for a little while. And all this talk about prayer is like, okay, I get it. I get prayer. But now you're talking about a lifestyle Here's the thing that I want to encourage you with. Uh, I don't know where you stand with God. It might be that you don't pray or you don't believe in prayer. Here's the one thing that I want to maybe put out there for, for you to chew on and think about, and it's this. I don't know where you are in a relationship with God, but that God is all in on you. Okay, And he's very, very patient with us, and I'm a testament to that. He's been very patient with me. And so maybe the best thing for you is just to figure out, like, do I believe in prayer, and can I try it one time? Right? And can I just have, so take some steps. But understanding, there are a lot of you in the room right now who are like, yeah, I get the prayer time thing. Well, how do I make it really count? How do I make it really matter beyond just setting aside some time and make it a relationship building thing between me and God? So, what I want to do today is take a look in the Bible for answer to that question. We say that all the time, like we want to look in the Bible for some of the answers to life's most important questions and answer the question, how do I grow my prayer time into a prayer life? I think that as we study the Bible, we can find uh, a lot of principles, a lot of things. I like to, as I teach, to try to find some nuggets of truth and say, look, let's take these principles and try to work on them hard. So this morning, what I want to do is I believe that there's been a couple of stories that Jesus was involved in where he talked about prayer, where he gives us some principles to transition maybe from more of just a prayer time that's just a few minutes here and there to a lifestyle that's kind of this interlacing fabric as we build a relationship with God. So if you've got a Bible today, if you grab it, uh, flip over to Luke chapter 18. We're going to be in the book of Luke. We'll also be in Luke 11. But if, you, if you've got a Bible today, you can flip over to that or you can scroll down on your phone. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, please grab one before you leave today. Uh, I will tell you this. Next week we're starting a brand new series and it's going to be studying through the book of Acts. And I'm really excited about it. I've been doing a lot of reading and studying and talking with a lot of you about it. Uh, and next week would be a really good time to bring a, a, a physical Bible, or at least one on your phone or your tablet or something that you look at regularly, because we're going to be really studying the book of Acts for about eight weeks, and it's going to be awesome. It's going to be the the best Bible study we've ever done as a church. Um, And so, uh, anyway, the book of Luke is in the New Testament of the Bible, uh, which is that last third of the Bible. And remember, there are four biographies of the life of Jesus. We call them the Gospels, and Luke is is one of those biographies. And so we're going to look at a couple things that Jesus said that give us an idea of how to transition that prayer time into prayer life. First in Luke chapter 18, we're going to start in verse 1. I just want to read verse 1, and then actually we're going to just go ahead out with the first principle. Verse 1 says this, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Jesus is talking, and uh, one of his favorite styles of teaching um, is storytelling. In fact, that's one reason why I tell a lot of stories, because I really believe that that's how God 
designed our brains to work, to think in stories and in narrative. And so one of his favorite ways to teach was through stories. And uh, one of the type of stories that he uses is called a parable. A parable is just, you know, an, an earthly story with kind of a heavenly meaning and has a lot of comparisons to God. And so he's telling this parable and he says he wants to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He starts out by giving us our first principle on building a good prayer life. And the first one that I want to give you is this, persistent prayer. Always pray, and don't give up like those uh, cats and dogs in the video. By the way, I just want to say I had nothing to do with that. Uh, I don't like cat videos, but if you do, I'm so glad that you enjoyed that. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. It was actually funny. I, when I saw it, I, I decided it was funny enough to show. All right, <laughs> so um, persistent prayer is our first principle. And what I want to do is take a look at what Jesus says next in verse 2. Verse 2, he tells a story. He said, in a certain town... There was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea. Here's her plea. Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time, he refused. But finally, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice. So she won't eventually come and attack me. Okay, so a really short story here, okay? And some of you are thinking, that's a really short story, Jesus. You made a really good point. I wish that Chris could tell shorter stories. Sorry, I'm not Jesus. Um, but let's work through this story. I want to introduce the characters and meet them a little bit. Uh, first, we meet a judge, all right? We got this judge. Man, this guy must have been a jerk. Jesus introduces him pretty much like he is a jerk. Did you hear what he said about him? This guy neither feared God nor cared what people thought about him. You ever meet that guy? Maybe that, that guy or that lady was like one of your high school teachers. <laughs> You're like, yeah, everyone hates that lady. She was the lady who's, she's handing out the big uh, like project on spring break weekend. You know, it's like, what? Really? Like we were going to the beach? Yeah, yeah, I'd be back first thing in the morning. Or she was the one who like it was homecoming weekend and there was a big football game and she scheduled the lab after school because I don't care about how much fun you want to have. And no one would stand up to her because she neither feared God nor care about what anybody thought. Um, she, uh, so that's where this was judges. It's this kind of guy. He just kind of got this personality like he's all business. He's no play. He's no relationship. Now, the second person we meet is a widow. And I got to give you a little bit of context uh, for the culture here. This is first century, so 2016-ish years ago. And we meet this widow. Uh, we're in the Middle East. Okay, we're in Palestine. We're near Jerusalem. We're in the Middle East. And uh, if you look over there today... Think about the status of women in that society. If you thought the Middle Eastern culture was oppressive to women today, imagine 2,000 years ago, okay? And so this is the society. Not only, though, is she a woman, she's also a widow. And, and an interesting thing there is that if you were a widow and you didn't have a man to speak for you, you actually didn't have a voice legally. You couldn't go to court and plead a case. You just couldn't do it. That didn't, really, uh, that didn't really slow her down, though, because she continues going to this judge. She's got something she needs to, to ask, and what is her request? Very simple request. She says, grant me justice against my adversary. Oh, That's a great request, by the way. Write that down. Like, if you ever are in court, <laughs> hey, judge, what do you want from me? Just grant me justice. That's what I want against my adversary. I'm not trying to get any special privileges here. I just want what's right. And so um, Jesus isn't specific about what she's pleading for here, but it sounds like a fair request. She's a woman, and she's a widow. She has no legal standing in the community. She doesn't really have a quote-unquote right to go to the judge. I, I'm not a fan of that, by the way, just so you know. But that's just the way the culture it was. And she has to speak to this jerk judge who doesn't care what God thinks or what anybody else thinks. And so, man, she's in a tough situation. Now, uh, a, a lot of us, you know, we'll try something once. We'll try it twice. We might try it three times. But at some point, you're like, look, this is going nowhere. I'm just going to settle in and take it. 
Not this lady. Jesus says she just continued to go visit this judge over and over and over again. Now, I don't know if it was every day or once a week or maybe she had to file a petition every, you know, annually. Like, I don't know what the laws were there, but she continues to go. And then finally, one day, the story breaks down, something happens. I love what the judge says. He's like, ah, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice. This last line's great. So that she won't eventually come and attack me. Like, Lady, crazy. Like, she just keeps on coming, talk to me. What's the phrase, you know, that hell hath no fury like a woman scorned? Um, and, and then uh, Jesus is like, the end. That's the end of the story. So you get the characters, you get their play, you see what happens in here. Jesus is telling this story as an illustration about prayer. Normally when Jesus uses a parable, uh, he takes the characters in the story, and we do what we would call maybe a parable of comparison. In other words, uh, the characters in the story are going to directly represent a real thing in real life. And so this person represents God and what he would do. And this person represents mankind and what they would do. But this was not a parable of comparison. It's actually kind of the converse of that. This is a comparison of con- a parable of contrast. A parable of contrast where actually he says, uh, you want to see what God is not like? Check out this judge. It's just the way he tells the story. And we get uh, the story of the stubborn judge and, and the woman who's not willing to give up. Now Jesus does this thing a lot when he's telling his stories. Uh, at, because in the setting, he's actually teaching. He tells the story, and then he says, okay, now let me give you the application. So we're just going to go right into it. Let Jesus teach it, not me. So verse 6, and the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that you get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? The first key to growing a prayer life is maybe persistence, persistent prayer. God honors our persistence. He looks down and he sees this is what you need, and I see that it's very important to you. Talk to me about it a lot. Sometimes I get home from work in the afternoons, and my son will be standing at the, the glass door in front of our house uh, with his football. and be gazing out, like, gazing out the window like, oh, and, I'll, and, and, I'll, and I'll pull in. I got my windows up, and he's inside the house. But I can read his lips and already know exactly what he's saying. He's saying, hey, Dad, want to play catch? And he's got a football, and he runs out to the car. He's like, Dad, you want to play catch? He loves football. He loves throwing the ball. I've thrown the ball like 5,000 times this weekend alone, okay? And so, like, we love playing catch. Uh, well, I might need to do something first. I got to go in. I got to drop my bag off in the house or run to the bathroom or talk to his mom about something. I don't know. I'm walking in the house. And so sometimes I might immediately just play catch with him, but other times I've got things I need to do. And so what does he do? Well, he's nine years old. If you've ever had a nine-year-old, you know what he does. He follows right behind me. Dad, you ready to play catch yet? Oh, you got to put your bag down? Your bag's down. You want to play catch? You going to say, Mom, something? What did you need to tell Mom? I already talked to Mom today. She's good. You know, walk in the house. You want to you you play catch? You want to play, play catch? You want to play catch? You want to play catch? You want to play catch? And he is persistent. There have been so many times in my life where he's asked me over and over and over, things, hey, Dad, you want to play Legos with me? Hey, Dad, I want ice cream. And he's unrelenting. Dad, I'm right here, and this is what I want. Can I have it, please? 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 That's how kids are. And that's how parents uh, are we're aware of that. It's also how we can be aware of what they, what they care about. And so, you know, maybe sometimes we tongue-in-cheek or like, ah, drive me crazy. But really, I'm like, hey. My boy loves to throw a football with me. That's awesome. It's cool to hear that persistence. Because he was so persistent, sometimes I've had times where I've actually changed my plans. Parents, you ever done that? They're like, can we please watch a movie? Can we please watch a movie? And you're thinking, like, I didn't really want to watch a movie. (sighs) All right, let's watch this movie for the ninth time. You're right. Why? Because it's really important to them, and you realize, why not? 
God says, what do you want from me? What's your heart's desire? Don't mumble your request in a side comment in some quick prayer time. Don't just mention it to a friend sometime. Don't just post it on Facebook. Like all those things are good, but ask me. Tell me over and over and over. Not because God doesn't care and don't want to just give it to us the first time, but it's part of building a relationship with him. God says, what do you want? Talk to me. Chase me down. Pursue me. Seek me. It's a 24-7 prayer life. People struggle with this. I have many times because sometimes we feel like God's not hearing our prayer. I'm asking you over and over and over. God, what are you up there doing? How hard is it to listen to what I'm asking you for? It's caused people to be angry at God. It's caused people to walk away from him. Sometimes maybe it's not (laughs) that we've been trying so hard, but that we asked him a couple times and God was like, dude, dude, you have heartedly asked me like three times. And then You walked away and didn't pay attention to me for like 27 hours. I don't know what it is specifically between you and God and the thing that you might have asked for, but for me, it's often been that my persistent prayer wasn't quite there. Here's something that we really need to remember, is that God is not a vending machine, and prayer is not quarters. Like, he doesn't have this vending machine in heaven of all the things that we might possibly have, and he's like, that's going to cost you five prayer. (laughs) And we put those in, and... And it falls out, and he gives it to us. That's not how he works. Instead, prayer is the fabric of a living conversation between us and God. It's this back and forth. It's this building a relationship that leads to a life with him. And persistence is hard because if we don't get what we want very quickly, it's really easy for us to walk away from God and become distracted and just try to do things on our own. Persistence is also hard sometimes because after all the work and after pursuing God, we end up getting an answer from God maybe. That wasn't exactly what we asked for. Like I asked for this, I asked for this, and at the end maybe I could see that God did hear what I was asking for, but that's not exactly what I said, God. That's not what I was looking for. Uh, the other day my son was following me around the house. This time he was asking me for ice cream. He'd been asking me all day long. Dad, can I please ask him? We had some Briar's ice cream. I'm going to tell you, there are a few things better than Briar's vanilla ice cream. That's just, can I get an amen? Yeah, six of y'all, six of y'all got it. The rest of you, y'all need Jesus, because I'm talking... Briar's ice cream is good, but it's in the refrigerator, it's in the freezer, and, and, and he wants some, and he's asking me all day, and he's asking me, Dad, can I please have some ice cream? Please have some, and I keep saying, no, buddy, not right now, not right now, not right now, which I got to admit, it's kind of a stock answer that parents give when we just don't want to think for a second, like, not right now. What? <laughs> I don't even know. Oh, you're on fire? My bad. Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's take care of that. But he's asking me for ice cream, he's asking me for ice cream, and, and, and there's a little lull in the asking, and so it's, it's evening, it's about bedtime. I had something out in my car I had to go get, so I walk out to the car, and, uh, and, and my, my son follows me out the door. I'm like, what you doing? Did you need something out of the car, too? No, Dad, I, I was just going to help you in case you need anything out in the car. And some of you guys are like, oh, what a sweet kid. But those of you who have parents are like, thumbs up, right? And we stopped in the yard. I'm like, no. Did you come out here to ask me for ice cream? And he was so funny. He was like, how did you know? <laughs> Oh, yeah. I can read your mind, son. Um, You want to hear the sad end of that story? He didn't get ice cream that night. Now, am I a mean dad for that? Like, we had ice cream, and it was like, there's time. We had spoons, bowls. Like, why didn't we have ice cream? Well, I was thinking about some things that he hadn't thought about. One was that it was late. It was almost bedtime. Uh, And I know what happens if he has ice cream at bedtime. He also had some candy earlier that day. Some other things. Like, I was thinking about And most importantly, there wasn't very much ice cream left, and I wanted some later. So, 
we've got to think about these things. You know, sometimes we go to God and we ask him for things over and over again, and, and he doesn't give us exactly what we asked for or the way that we asked for it. But the key with persistent prayer is being able to say, God, I'm going to keep asking. Not knowing that you're going to give me exactly what I'm asking for, but knowing that you are able to provide. That you can provide, and you may even do it the way that I'm asking. Persistent prayer is about saying, God, I, I trust you just to do what's best here. What did the widow ask the judge for? Justice. Persistent prayer. One of the keys to transitioning our life from just some time with prayer to a lifestyle is being persistent. So that's our first key. I hope that's helpful. I want to go ahead and talk about the second key. Uh, we find it in Luke chapter 11. We actually were there last week as we studied through prayer. Uh, and so we're actually right after the story we studied last week, if you remember. The second key to prayer, if you want to go ahead and write it down or just remember, is bold prayer. Bold prayer. So persistent prayer and bold prayer. We'll be in Luke chapter 11. We'll start in verse 5 this time. Uh, but before we read in verse 5, I've got to get you in the mood, okay? Because sometimes you read the Bible or really anything, and you're like, wait, where are we? What are we talking about? I've got to get you in the mood, okay? So I want you, I, my goal right here is for you to get really angry for just a minute at somebody who's not in the room, okay? So that's our goal. Normally, you don't get asked to do that at church, but we're going to do that. I'm going to give you permission, all right? Uh, and it's your neighbor. His name is um, Roger. Hopefully, you don't really have a neighbor named Roger, but if you do, my bad. Um, so here it goes. Here's how it works. All right. Close your eyes with me. Go, go on this little journey. It is 3 o'clock in the morning. Some of you are already there. You're like, huh? <laughs> it's 3 o'clock in the morning. You're sound asleep. You're sleeping good, too. You're dreaming about whatever it is you dream about. And all of a sudden, bang, 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 bang. Somebody's banging on the front door. Well, you hop out of bed. You're all disoriented. You're running to the wall. You, got, you, you don't know what's happening. You can't see straight. You're like, someone's banging on the door. Okay, all right, let's go to the door. And, and you assume when someone bangs on the door at 3 o'clock in the morning, it is a what? emergency. So you run to the board. Let's, you, you, honestly, you might not have pants on. Let's be real. Okay, you're going. Your hair is all crazy. Your breath smells bad. You're cross-eyed. You got crusties in your eyes. And you're standing. You peek through the little peephole, and you're like, that's Roger. It's my neighbor, Roger. Oh, man. You go to, hey, it takes you nine minutes to figure out how to unlock the door. Hey, man, what's up? What's wrong? What can I do for you? Is everything okay? Now, Roger, he's staying there cool as a cucumber. No, oh, man, all, everything's good. No big deal. Did I wake you up? No, I always looked at it. I never wear pants. Like, no, no, it's, it's all good. Listen, I hate to bother, I know it's late. I hate to bother you, but here's, here's what's going on over at my house. Uh, my in-laws are in town. My mom, I mean, my, my mother-in-law, she's a bit of an insomniac, and uh, she's baking me a cake. I know, silly, right? But we're out of sugar. You got a cup of sugar I could borrow? Are you guys mad at Roger right now? You're like, what? Come back in the morning. Like, what? What are you doing? Go to, go to Walmart. It's 3 o'clock in the morning. All right, you ready? You mad at Roger? Now let's let Jesus talk. All right, he tells this story. Luke chapter 11, verse 5. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight, and you say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine is on a journey, and he's come to my house, and I've got no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me, Roger. The door was locked. And my children are in bed. I can't give you anything right now. All right, so again, uh, it helps to understand some culture here. What's interesting is this is not a necessarily a Roger situation. In the first century, there's something you really need to understand about Jewish culture. Uh, one of the biggest, most important things that you could have above all else was hospitality. Hospitality. One of the worst insults that you could throw at a guest was to not be hospitable to them. And to make it look like you weren't ready. And so, so for the guy who's knocking on your door in the midnight, 
If it were a battle between uh, making your neighbor mad or looking like a bad host, sorry, neighbor, <laughs> like, I didn't have any bread for my, for, my, for my guests, and so I'm banging on your door. So as Jesus tells his story, his listeners would have understood that. The dilemma that the poor guy was in, you know, I don't want to wake up my neighbor, but man, I got a guest, and I don't have any bread in the house, and Walmart hasn't been invented yet, so sorry, neighbor, knock, knock, knock. Incidentally, this is interesting. It also worked as kind of a catch-22 for the dude in the house because his neighbor's asking for something. What does he got to be? Hospitable. Like, uh. <laughs> okay, and so this is what Jesus says. Verse 8, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of your friendship, Roger, we might not be friends anymore, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. What in the world does this story have to do with prayer? (laughs) What Jesus is talking about here is bold prayer. The person at the door, that's you praying. The guy inside, that's God with the bread. And what Jesus is saying is that the sheer audacity of our bold request to God is saying, neighbor, I'm in a tough situation. I can't figure this out by myself. I need your help. And the neighbor would say, okay, man, I see the pinch that you're in. Let me get you some bread. And don't come over tomorrow morning because I don't want to see your stupid face anymore. (laughs) Maybe God feels that way sometimes. I don't know, but I think maybe the neighbor would. You know, if you're a praying person, I wonder, what are the things that you pray about? Do you pray bold, audacious prayers to God? Do you go to God and ask him for huge things? Or do you ask him for safe, simple prayer? Like, if you're going on a first date, and you don't want the relationship to get too deep, you're probably going to have a shallow conversation with that person. Nice weather we're having. I like this restaurant. Yeah, I've been here before. By myself, not with anybody else. First time with a person other than me. I'm going to get the ZD. You know, uh, you don't want to go real deep in the conversation. Uh, if you're socially unaware, you may accidentally step over some of those boundaries and get too deep too soon. So, how many kids do you want to have? What kind of neighborhood do you want to live in? Like, you want to get married next week? That'd be great. Like, because the deeper things we talk about, the more serious we're taking that relationship. The thing is, sometimes we do it with relationships. We're pretty bold in the way we approach relationships, and we actually, we miss like, have you ever heard of someone, and maybe it's been you, sorry if it's a, a tough nerve, but it's, it's real, it's been actually probably good for you. You ask someone to marry you, like, that's happened, and the person says, no. That was bold, to go out on the limb there and ask for a bold thing, because I wanted to test the depths of this relationship, but even them saying no is actually helpful, right? I know where I stand with you now, that's good, it hurt my feelings, but I know where I stand with you sometimes. God says, Pray. And ask me boldly. Be audacious with your request. How much do you trust me? How much are you willing to let me hold? I was reading a book this week about a guy who, uh, he's a pastor at a very uh, influential church in his community. And uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, actually I'll even go and say thousands of people have come to Jesus because of this church that he works at. Uh, and, and because of his preaching and all this stuff. And people have asked him, like, how, how has your church been so uh, effective in sharing God's word with people? And they said, well, when we first began, we decided that we were going to be a leadership that prayed things that could not happen unless God was involved. Because we never want to get the credit for it. Wow, what kind of prayer is that? I want to pray things that says, I, I only want to pray things that are only possible if God is in them. Because sometimes if I try to do things on my own, do things on my own, they fail. And sometimes when things happen and maybe I was in the middle of it, I might get a little big-headed about it. God says, ask me your bold prayers. Because of your boldness, I'll give you everything you need. 
It's been said that what you pray for actually reflects what you believe about God. Like if you pray little small prayers, maybe it's that you have a belief in a little small God. If you pray really big, bold prayers, maybe it's that you believe in a really big, bold God. As each of us are working through our own prayer time or prayer life, my challenge for us would be to say, what are we asking for? Are we asking for things that I could probably do like on my own pretty easily? Dear God, please help me go to uh, work today. <laughs> like, well, that was good. Please help me interview for a bunch of jobs. Well, that's good. And maybe God can open some doors for you. But what if you said to him, God, I- I've got a family member who is really struggling with their faith. God, I don't, know, I, don't know what, I don't know what to do for them or what to tell them, but could you please bring them comfort? Could you please bring them help? Could you please put something in their life that would answer that? Wow, you see the difference between those two prayers? This is something I could do by myself, sort of. This is something I cannot do unless God steps in. Bold prayer. Last week after church, uh, there were a group of ladies. You might have seen them. They were standing in the back corner, back over there. And it was after church, and they were standing in a circle, and they were praying. And uh, I'm a ham, and I'm a cut-up, and I'm just, it was funny, I was laughing and playing with some people, and I was like, la la ba, ba, la la talking, and I saw one of the ladies in the group, and I was going to say something to them, I was like, oh, you guys are being serious, and they were, they were praying, they were seriously praying. In the middle of that circle was, uh, some, of you, some of you know Christy Rivers, and Christy was, had asked for prayer amongst some of her friends, and she'd gone to the doctor recently, and uh, got a report that there was like a, a mass in her lung, Yeah, and we all know what that could mean, right? It's not pretty, it's not fun, it's not something we look forward to. And so Christy's nervous about that, and she's scared, and she says, what do I do? I need to go to my friends and ask for prayer. And in that circle, those ladies prayed, and they prayed things like, dear Lord, we pray that this is not what we believe it may be. We know that you're able to hear Christy, heal Christy. We, we know that you're powerful beyond anything that we can understand. And we don't know what you can do in this situation, but Lord, please act. Act now and, and make a difference in Christy's life. The next day, uh, I had heard about it too. The next day, I got up. I have a, a journal. This year, I, I got a, a book to write in prayers in because I've, I've been slack about praying, I'll be honest. And so I'm trying to get better at it. So I'm writing down uh, my prayers, and, and I, I wrote some of the same things for Christy. Dear God, I don't know what's going on inside her body right now, but you do. You're the great healer. You're the great physician. You're the creator. You can touch her life and change it. Please give her the faith to know that that's possible. Give us the faith to know that that's possible. I knew she had a CT scan at 10 o'clock in the morning on Monday. So a lot of people were praying all day. Later that day, I won't tell you what Christy posted on Facebook. She said, God is good, and I believe in the power of prayer. Thank you to all who prayed for me and have me in your thoughts. The CT scan today was negative for cancer. I don't know what God did there. I don't. I don't know if he was like, look, it was never there in the first place, or if he was like, look, there was something there, and I completely changed it. I, I know kind of, I mean, we, I found out a little bit more about what tests, tests went on with there and the results, but here's, here's the thing that I found, is that what that was able to do for Christy was build her faith that God loves her, and that prayer works, and that the community of Christian friends around her love her, and they're there for her. When we pray for bold things from God, what it does is strengthen the bonds and the depths our relationship with him. Like that first date where you're not going to ask the real deep questions, but by the time you're best friends or you've been married for a long time or you've known each other for decades, you can talk about anything. And you're not scared to go knock on the door at 3 o'clock in the morning because you know they'll understand. 
or pick up a phone or shoot an awkward text message just because you just need to get this out. And God says, when you come to me, come boldly and come persistently. You know, God wants more than my time and your time. He wants our life. And more than that, he wants your love. And with persistent prayer and with bold prayer, something amazing happens. A relationship with God. Prayer is the fabric of that relationship. The communication, the back and forth, the knowing that he's able and the knowing that he's willing and him knowing that you've got the time for him. Day by day we grow in what it means to love and be loved by God. Yay, love. God wants that relationship with all of us, guys. And um, he's done the footwork to prove it. Um, In a minute, we're going to celebrate through communion what he's done. But I'm reminded of this verse. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible that I hope we can kind of hold on to as we kind of, we roll up and and put a bow on this this prayer series. That we don't leave it here in these three weeks that we discussed it, but that we carry it on into the rest of our lives. And this verse from Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and 29, has been something that's really spoken to me so many times. This is what Jesus says. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. God wants to hear from us. He's our loving father. The song we sang, uh, I guess it was last week, good, good father. He wants to hear from us. He wants to tell us that he loves us. Jesus doesn't just want some time with you. He wants to be present in your whole life. So, let's pray persistently and boldly. In fact, I'd like to pray right now. Can we go to God? God, thank you for showing us over and over again that you're able. Um, some stories are like Christie's, and, and uh, we just praise you for kind of giving us exactly what we asked for. And then other times, there's still mystery to it, and we ask for things, and we don't even understand why you wouldn't give us those things. But please help us to trust in your grand design. Help us to trust in your knowledge and your wisdom of what's best for us and what's best in the world. Let us leave that stuff to you so that we can work on the day-to-day stuff. Last week we talked about just praying for the things we need every day, our daily bread. God, thank you for that. And thank you that when we run out, we can go knock on your door. Father, I pray for this church family right now. As, uh, we've kind of been in the mindset of prayer for several weeks. I pray that it can be something that's faith-building, um, whether it's just, I don't know, Christy's story that I told this morning or, or others that I've actually heard over the last two weeks of, that we can share with each other. Like, I've been praying for this, and then God really showed up. And this is something that I couldn't have done by myself, but God showed up. Give us the faith to give you the glory. May we be persistent. May we be bold. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.